What did Jesus mean when he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be? How can we store up treasures in heaven? How is it that what we treasure or think is important can dictate our choices? Why can't we serve both God and money? Chris and Murdoch tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome to Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Murdoch. And we are back continuing now after the halftime show. In the second half. In the second half. Yeah, the second half of the show or the podcast of the Sermon on the Mount series. So treasures in heaven. That's what we're looking at today. Really felt like the intro to the second half kind of fumbled. It did. <laughs> After the halftime show, oh, fumble. In the second half of the show of the podcast, then... It's a precursor. Yeah. The second half of the podcast series is not going to be as good as the first half. Oh, it definitely will. See? Because we're just more comfortable. That's what it is. Like, no, go back to being prepared. <laughs> yeah, go back to being professional, please. I think people want that. I don't know. If you're listening, I have seen that there are people uh, who are listening in Arizona and Virginia. So if you are... Super cool. Thank you guys for listening. And to our Australian friend who's listening, thank you. And Honduras as well? Yeah, we've had a few in Honduras and Turkey, but Australia seems like someone's listening from there. So if you are, hi. Hi. And send us an email at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. Gmail we will say hi back. That's super cool of you guys. Definitely. So where are we at this week, Chris? Treasures in Heaven. We are in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to tackle verses 19 through 24. So do you want to read them or do you want me to? I can read them. All right, cool. Do you want me to go through, through all five? Yeah, let's just read them all. Alrighty. So here we go. This is Jesus talking and he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Or maybe in a translation, God and mammon. Yeah, I did read that word. Yeah, so as we get into it, we can look at money, we can look at mammon, we can look at what is this lamp of the body business, because all of that, it all does tie together. Yeah, and really I think the crux of it is what Jesus is getting here is materialism. Right, So we look at the first half, Jesus is warning us about materialism. Uh, what enslaves our hearts is verse 19 through 21. What enslaves our mind, verses 22 through 23. And then what enslaves our will. And basically here Jesus is saying we can become uh, shackled by the material things in life. But if you're controlled by the Spirit, then you're liberated from materialism. Yeah, so liberated from materialism. And I think that this is where a lot of things can get kind of twisted in an understanding of, you know, quote unquote, proper Christianity. So if we're liberated from materialism, are we supposed to become like monks, right? Do we don a robe, forego any type of possession and just, you know, walk the streets? Or is it okay to own a private jet? Two big questions right because, there. Because, hey, yeah. you know what, if this private jet helps me to do ministry better... Is it materialism if it's helping? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's really kind of you can go either way with it when we look at material goods. And 
So what do you think? How, how far does it go? I really think it comes down to our choices, right? So our choices shape our, our, our choices and actions are shaped by the things we cherish most. So it's the placement of where these things come into our lives. Like just looking at it, I think we always divide up spiritualism and materialism as two separate things. As where Jesus comes in and there's so many parables that he's talked about where he's saying, no, materialism and spiritualism, like that's the same thing. If you're, your focus is on getting stuff, that's where your focus is on. That's what you want. And how you use it then is just going to be for yourself. But if your focus is on, on the kingdom and what God's giving you, then when I bless you with stuff, you see it as a blessing and then want to use it in turn to bless other people. So I, I think he does. He, I don't really think it's this idea of he's coming at uh, wealth, but it's our attitude towards wealth. Why do we want it? And what are we going to do with it? Right. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I like how you brought that in, that it's materialism and the spiritual coming in, not materialism, but physical and spiritual together that they're not something that gets divorced within Christianity, but we are physical beings, but we're also spiritual. God made us both, and the way that we handle one affects the other and vice versa. So, you know, as you're pursuing God, like kind of in the spiritual realm of things, the way that you're handling your physical possessions will be different. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if you, like you're saying, if your whole goal in life is to acquire all of these things, to spend it on your own pleasures and to just have and to build up, and as Jesus is saying here, store up your treasures on earth, that's not what you should be doing. So yeah, it's definitely both. I don't think that we need to become monks and to go that route. However, God might be calling some people to that. Like honestly, some people's calling in life might be, hey, all of this stuff is just extra distractions that you don't need to be distracted by. Versus on the other side, maybe God's blessing someone with an immense amount of wealth to be a blessing to people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that I just wanted to be clear that when it comes to this teaching, a lot of people want to go hard in one direction or the other, but it really is kind of on an individual, although we can take these principles and apply it so that we know that we're functioning well. And I like how you brought up the distractions of our things, because really what it comes down to it, in my opinion, of materialism, as much as it is coveting and idolatry, like those are big parts of what it is. Another part is the distraction it creates in our lives. So we, we spend so much time chasing after money in a sense that we're not doing God's work, right? So we're chasing the dollar, but we forget about God. But then we buy stuff to then distract us more. Like our society is probably the most distracted society that's ever existed. My phone is telling me every Sunday how much time I'm spending on it. And, and the weeks that get me are the ones where I'm like, your screen time is up 64% from last week. And I'm like, what What happened? What did I do? What?" Have... And then it tells you exactly what you did. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, man, I really got to stop looking at memes on Instagram. But it, the distraction of it takes us off of God's kingdom cause and right. what he wants us. And I like the way Jesus broke it up. Like there's the the first three verses, there's do not store up. So there's a prohibition, right? Do not do this. Then it's followed up with verse 20, but store up. So there now is the positive command, but then do this. And then the third thing is the reason why, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So he, he slits it into three things here saying, don't do this. Don't store up your treasures here on earth. Why? Because when we do, it's all temporary. Like I want you to understand what you have now is temporary. Don't get focused in on that or locked in on the cause of something that won't last. But do get focused in on the cause that will last, that will be around forever. Your kingdom treasures, what's above. And the reason is because whatever you're focused in on, that's where your heart's going to be at. 
I'm with you there. And when it's talking about not storing it up, but storing it up, it just brings into mind in the letter of First John to where John is saying like, hey, if you have the means to help somebody, if you have the means to provide for a need, then provide for the need. And if you don't provide for the need, you got to ask yourself, is the love of God actually in you? So when we're looking at don't storing up the treasures on earth, like, hey, maybe you got a job, you've got a bank account and that thing's going up and that's good, you know, be able to provide for your family and have that. But then you run across somebody who needs help and you have it in your storehouse to help them, help them, because in the act of helping them, that's how you're storing up the treasures in heaven. That, that's how I'm reading it is you're able to use, as you said, God blessed you with this so that you can be a blessing to others. And when we kind of get that flow in, then it takes it off of like, oh, no, how am I going to provide for the future? Because like God will provide for the future, just like he provided for now. And the way that he wants you to use that provision for now is to help other people. And I think that that's a consistent teaching is that our love towards other people in real tangible ways, again, the physical and the spiritual together, that the acts of love aren't just in, oh, I'm going to pray for you, brother. But let me buy you food. Let me get you some clothes, you know, really go that route, which I'm pretty sure that's in scripture as well. I mean, we just covered some of that, too, when we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount with if your brother needs this, give them more, kind of going into that generosity, like how generous are you? Because really, at the end of the day, if you're not generous enough to help someone out of your storehouse, then your possessions have possessed you. Man, you use that quote. I was going to use that. Oh, quote. yeah, I got it before you did it. Yeah. <laughs> it no, was it's really right like if, if you can't get rid of your possessions, then they possess you. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I also like another way of looking at it is that you can't outgive God. That's a good one, too. You know, he gave to you. So if you're giving to other people, he sees that. And that's what we we're talking about, right? Hey, when you're giving to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Mm-hmm. But your father who sees it will reward you. And maybe that reward is, you know, cash flow coming in. But maybe that reward is entirely different. Like integrity before god joy peace (laughs) you know spiritual well-being which we should probably prefer over physical stuff to to an extent and even looking at it everything jesus is laying out here like materialism and what can be offered to you and we've touched on this so much of like everything jesus says or had said to us it's not like it didn't happen to him first and when i was doing my study for for this week I, it just so happened that I'm in Luke now with my reading, and I read Jesus being tempted on the mountain. And so in Luke 4, 5 through 8, it says, The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and said to him, I will give you the authority and their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. And then Jesus said, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Echoing the same thing right here, what he says about treasures, right? So Here's the, the devil saying, I can give you this. It's my authority. I can give you this. And in my Bible, I wrote down false promises because I think he does the same to us all the time. Here's money. Here's wealth. Here's fame. Here's something you can worship besides God. Here it all is. And I can give it to you, but all you have to do is bow the knee to me and worship. And in this instance, the devil is saying, telling Jesus, worship me. But in reality, it's worship that thing. Chase after it. Pursue it more than you would your relationship with God. And And Jesus gives us the answer right there, right? I worship God and serve him only. And I like that there's that combination of both of them, worship and serve. So yes, with my my life, I give him praise, but also in my actions, I then serve and help other people with what he's blessed me with. I mean, Jesus didn't just show up to church and praise God and then throughout the week be a shady businessman. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, if, if nothing else, Jesus was highly consistent in everything that he said and did. I mean, if he said it, you can find an example of it in his life. 
challenging stuff when it comes to money because I feel like I'm, I'm going to bring in another aspect, the, the parable of the rich young ruler. No, it wasn't a parable. It was a real guy. Yeah, the real rich, person. Well, no, there was a parable of a rich young ruler, but the one that I want to bring up is the, the real guy. He was a, a young guy, rich guy. He comes up, hey, teacher, what do I need to do to get to heaven? Well, you need to keep all these commandments. He goes, I've been keeping those since I was a kid. Jesus says, all right, well, this one thing you lack, you need to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And just as the guy went away sad. We don't know what happened. Maybe he went away sad and he did it. We don't know. Maybe he went away sad and was just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But I feel like a lot of times we can get that way with, with our funds, right? Like, especially in America, I don't know if this has been for an all-time thing, but I think that especially within America, our ideas of success, our ideas of what drive us, our ideas of like what life can like lead up to is that when you're asked to part with your money, that can be a difficult thing. But Jesus is pretty clear here. Charles Spurgeon, I got this quote from him. He said, you must keep all earthly treasures out of your heart and let Christ be your treasure and let him have your heart. And, you know, Charles Spurgeon, just a great man, just to have that concept there is like they're really boiling this down, this at least this first few verses of what our treasures are, that they can't be in our heart. You know, what the world has to offer can't be in our heart. And, and the temporary thing keeps coming into my head because the more you look at it, like, when I want to invest in something, I want to invest in something that's lasting. Like, I don't want to put time, energy, or spend a lot of effort into something that would just be done. Like, to me, 4th of July, fireworks, terrible investment. Oh, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> no, terrible investment, especially the ones you get from the stands nowadays. Oh, California yes. fireworks. Are, yes, yeah. not, not like the big... Great shows. But Which are actual California fireworks because we all have them anyway. Yes. But for even in our, like my neighborhood here in Bellflower, to buy fireworks is a waste of time because I can just go outside and watch the war zone of my neighborhood of fireworks going off left and right. But to me, the idea of the investment of I spend money on something that's only going to last seconds. The firework goes off. It does its thing. It's cool. But then it's done. And and really just the idea of that, remind, it's just echoing, again, what Jesus is saying. Why are you investing in something that's just going to go and then be done? When you invest more on what God has, when God is your treasure and everything about him is your treasure in your heart, then that's what's lasting. Because like you said, it may not be a reward here, but can we just be satisfied with the reward that's going to come to us in heaven? Can we be satisfied with the reward that, hey, I actually made it to heaven and I'm going to spend forever in his presence because to me that's enough of an award or reward than than anything else yeah I think when you bring it to that just like spending on something that will be immediately gone it just really brings up temptation and sin in my mind which then brings up selfishness so again that's where I can kind of look at the the treasures type of thing like are you using your treasures your wealth your possessions for selfish reasons or are you able to be selfless with them? Mm -hmm. Because the love that you pour into others is a marker of God being in you, right? Because God is a God of love, of provision, of all of these things. So if you are doing that, then you are an image of him. You know what I mean? So in that selfless giving, we see that it's lasting. That's really, I think, a lot of it. I've got this other thing I read in my commentary while I was studying and I thought it was pretty cool it says if the heart loves material things and puts earthly gain above heavenly investment then the result can only be a tragic loss and I like that you were talking about that and when you said that it, it reminded me of it because of the idea of if I'm investing in myself man that's such a tragic loss 
Well, because really, I'm just an endless pit on mm. like honestly for myself like oh i want the next coolest the best thing the whatever and just like that's a never-ending process as soon as i get it it's like cool i want the next thing i want the next like you know whether it's food or toys or this or that or whatever not to say that like hey don't enjoy life with some things but when that's the main focus i feel like if anybody's gone down that route it's just like you'll never be satisfied like it's an unending hunger so it's kind of a cool thing to even realize that like hey you have an unending hunger for stuff you don't need to satisfy it because there is no satisfying of it. So therefore, choose a different path to where you can find satisfaction. And I'm pretty sure we went over that in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes. Or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they mm. will be satisfied. Like, hey, if you're hungering and thirsting for material stuff, you won't be satisfied. But if you switch to the spiritual and you start using those things for righteousness standing up for the oppressed doing these things loving other people you will sign signed satisfaction find <laughs> satisfaction a lot of times too you think of it like the celebrities who make tons of money and then the life that they end up resulting in is like not satisfied or going off the deep end or even i think they had that show a while back winning the lotto ruined mm -hmm. my life yeah and just what people they they did the dream, right? Everyone dreams of winning the lotto and they're like, oh, I could do tons of things with winning the lotto. And then they won the lotto and it just ruined their life, whether it be because of bad spending or someone coming in and just like messing it all up or what have you. But it was all this stuff doesn't help or satisfy that hole in our life. And it, and it really doesn't fix the problems either. I've heard that money isn't going to change you into a better person. It's just going to magnify who you are. Like, if you don't spend money well when you have a little bit, you're not going to spend it well when you have a lot of it. If you're a really stingy person, which we're going to get into that in the next section, but I understand needing to be frugal and tight with your money. But if you're just not a generous person, getting a lot of money, you're not going to be a generous person. And yeah, it's like, no, if I had a lot of money, I would start helping people. Mm. <laughs> would you though? statistics say otherwise <laughs> your lifestyle and your spending before that says otherwise yeah that's that's a really good point i i like that um i think we'll go into the first or our break i always say first break but it's you've said that pretty much every, every episode, episode our and first sometimes break, i call you on it but our only break but we have a, a fun little commercial from jimbo's used cars he's got those luxurious used cars He's got those lavish used cars. He's got those glorious used cars. And he's got the used car for you. Who you ask? Well, it's Jimbo of Jimbo's Used Car Lot. Sure, they're a little rusty and maybe filled with moths, but don't discredit them. Jimbo guarantees his used cars will soon be the treasures in your eyes. You'll never have to worry about thieves breaking in and stealing these gems. Don't buy a new car and let monthly payments be the master of your money. Buy a used car at Jimbo's and show the world where your treasures really are. Jimbo's used car lot is adjacent to the beef gristle mill across the street from the Anger Emporium. Come by and find your treasure today. This is Reed from YCF Kids News with another episode of Read on the Street to see what podcasts people are listening to. Excuse me, sir. Do you listen to podcasts? Yes, I do. In fact, I host my own podcast. You do? What's your podcast name? It's Your Church Friends. Where can they listen to your podcast? 
It's available on all your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Podbean. Also, if people want, they can come visit our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. We have all our episodes up there for people to listen to. A link for our online shop with t-shirts, mugs, and other accessories if you feel like supporting us. Our latest YouTube videos where you can like, subscribe, and share our videos. And a link to join our Facebook group page to get all the latest updates on what's going on with our podcast. Well, thank you for your time. Oh, also you can listen to our podcast on our YouTube channel. And please buy a shirt if you can. Okay, that's Oh, buy a shirt. Buy a shirt. Yourchurchfriends.rocks because we rocks. Get out of here. Ugh. All right. For YCF Kids News, I'm Reed, and this was Reed on the Street. All right, coming back. Yeah, Jimbo's car lot. I think that's actually a pretty interesting thing to do, uh, whether you do it physically, going to a car lot. If you're, you know, of age that you've kind of gotten beyond that first dream car that you've had, go to a car lot or a junkyard and go and find that car and see what it looks like this many years later. There it is in the junkyard. That is a good analogy. You can even do it online, you know, just whatever you're... Hey, if cars were your thing, look up a car. If technology was your thing, look up that thing that you're like, man, I really wanted to have that. Fashion is your thing. Oh, it's so out of season. Like, you know, whatever it is, just go look at the thing that you desired so much and be like, oh, that's what's happening with it now. I think fashion's the only one that will survive that because somehow it does recycle itself. Yeah. So that's why my wife is in the vintage business. Yeah, the vintage clothing business. Yeah. Because it is really cool, actually, when it comes around and things were just made so much better back then. But that's besides the point. As we're getting into this, and really, I feel like we spent that first half really just looking at the way and the method and the ideology behind a wealth, spending it, keeping it, that kind of a thing. I think this next part that kind of seems a little bit out of place when you first read it kind of brings some uh, a little bit of reality to it. It says, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's like, okay, Jesus, you just got mystical, magical in the middle. You were trying to talk, talk about money and now my light, that my, my eyes are lamps and there's light in my body and it's darkness. It's like, what are you talking about? But really, when you get into some of the language and the stuff that's getting talked about there is that basically to have a bad eye, you have a stingy eye. Uh, you're a stingy person, basically, is what he's getting at. Like, hey, if you have a stingy eye, if you treat people in a stingy way, but you think that you're a generous person or whatever, like, that's not a good spot to be. I like that you brought that up. I read, if the eye is out of focus and seeing double, it results in unsteady movement. So, like, if your eyes are split, right? So, if your eye is basically on on one thing and trying to stay focused on another thing, it's unsteady and it's uh, it's most difficult to progress while trying to look in two different directions at the same time. And then I thought of, I think what most of us are probably... We've all done it before is texting and driving. So how, how focused, I mean, some people have become masters of it, but how unfocused or how steady of a driver are you when you're texting and driving? I mean, statistics show how many accidents have happened because of that, which is why there's the law now, no texting and driving. So our eyes, if it's stingy and on ourselves or what we have, and but also trying to focus in on God, the I like the way it was phrased, the un steady movement you're going to be back and forth almost kind of like what james said you know if you doubt and not believe you're like a a boat rocking back and forth in the in the waters you know you're you're swayed this way and that way and i i think 
hear that idea of the stingy eye, it does the same thing to us. It makes us sway where we're reading God's word and thinking, I should, but we're so concerned about what we want to keep that we don't. God's word tells us that God provides, he's blessing, it's all his possessions, he's just made you a steward over it, that he wants you to use his stuff for his will, and that he will continue to provide for whatever your needs are, and that you can even come to him in prayer and ask, and he will provide because he's a good father. That's what scripture says. But then our eye gets stingy because then we start to look at the world and we start to look at our selfishness and we get distracted by that. So I like that. You kind of focused on the two things and yeah, it's not a good spot. I mean, driving cross-eyed or like, I don't know, as you were saying, texting. Um, Just think of March, March of 2020, when, when everything got shut down, what happened? There was no toilet paper to be found. You know, like we, we all got stingy with our TP and it became this nuts, crazy thing because there was just so much thought of like, the self like who would have thought like a, a respiratory infection would lead us to all go out and buy toilet paper like crazy people it's a different kind of <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways from there i just want to pull up a couple things that are in uh proverbs as far as stingy stinginess because maybe this will convict or maybe this will show us <laughs> some people around us but in proverbs 23 uh, verse 6 and following says do not eat the bread of a stingy man so it is kind of saying, hey, be aware, you can recognize a stingy man. Because it goes, and do not crave his delicacies. Because maybe a stingy man actually has stuff stored up and is there. It says, for he is keeping track, inwardly counting the cost. Mm. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up what little you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. So a stingy guy, if he's providing something for you, it's for a reason. Mm. It's for his reason, Right. Or uh, Proverbs 28, uh, verse 22 says, A stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty awaits him. So, yeah, Jesus is saying, hey, don't be a stingy. I like that first one. Yeah. Because it does lead into the, the heart and the attitude of the person and, and even the way Jesus presents this, right? Like if, you're, if there's light inside of you, uh, that light will come out of you through your eyes. And, and I think, I, when I was reading about it, there's like the concept of does light go in through our eyes or does it come outwardly and go out from yeah. our eyes? And that was the ancient concept is that your your eyes were lamps and mm -hmm. that from wherever you look, the light was going out and then bringing in that information. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty cool study to get into. It and really is. And science kind of brought it in and, and did it the other way that light is bouncing off objects into our eyes. And this is where people go, well, then Jesus was... Jesus, all-knowing God, and he was making false scientific factors. Like, the Bible's not a science book. Like, straight up, the Bible's not a science book. So all of you young earther, old earther, earther, <laughs> earthers, and anything else in between, flat earthers, and whatever kind of science you want to come up with, the Bible's not a science book. Which means when we're looking at this, it's not trying to tell you about science of the opticals in your eyeballs. <laughs> we're talking about being stingy. And we're talking about being a, a good person where mm -hmm. if you're good inwardly, that's going to come out outwardly. If you're bad inwardly, no matter what you try to present on the outside, it will come out. Just like that proverb said, you will know a stingy man. You will see it no matter how you, much you think there's generosity in them because they're saying here, you'd really be like, no, I know what's going on with you. 
And so if we link those two, right? So if the person's eyes are good, then the whole body being full of light, then when that man is offering you food and inviting you over for food and conversation, then it truly is good. And it's an offering of goodwill with no strings attached, no anything, not whatever, not being stingy, being generous, wanting to enjoy that time with you. But if you're stingy and your eye is bad, then you're putting that offer out there. But there's not really light within you. Mm -hmm. It's actually darkness within you. And it's just like, how dark is that, that you're doing something that seems generous for manipulative reasons or, you know, something else like that? I never want to do something for somebody who's going to be like, well, now you owe me one. And you learn who those people are. You do. You learn it quick. You know, it's always about just doing it from the heart. It's not about owing it. And, and I liked how Jesus put this because to me, it's basically like uh, the, the God way, the light, and then the world's way or the way of evil is darkness inside of us. And if our eyes are focused on God or on the good things, that's the internal, internal things, we live to love God and others. We pursue justice. We aim for peace and we strive for wisdom. But if our eyes are focused on the bad, like the world, then we live for ourselves. We live with injustice because I don't care if justice wasn't served in your life because all I care about is my own. We settle for division and we settle for knowledge only. And in those ideas and concepts, it's just good will come out of good. Bad will come out of bad. And Jesus has made it really clear. In all of it, our focus of our eyes, what we're putting in, our pursuit of what we see, needs to be along with what God wants for us. You know, our focus needs to be on, on heavenly things. And you're saying consume, which it does. But I think that in the consume where Jesus ties it in in that next part when he says, like, you're going to end up serving, right? It consumes you as a, as a taskmaster, like, right? You become the servant to it. If you're focusing on needing to have that material wealth and, and all of that, then you serve it. You know, what do I need to do for you to obtain you, to be blessed by you, you know, to to be provided for? And I think that really tying those into where, hey, don't store up your treasures on earth, store them up in heaven. And then kind of gives a kind of a real world example of just like, hey, you know about stingy people? That's what I'm talking about. Don't store it up here. Don't be manipulative. Don't do a thing. But then it comes into the point of like what's really going on is that if you're serving God, then you'll be doing it the right way. But if you're serving money or mammon, then you're doing it the wrong way. But I wanted to bring in, this is from Dictionary of Deities and Demons in the Bible, the DDD. This is a great resource. It's kind of an expensive book, but you can find it online if you look for it, Google it, and just the PDF for it. You can get the 1999 version, but it really goes through any deity, any anything mentioned in the Bible. So it's great to get some background info. But when we look at this, well, it was translated money, but it's mammon. Just reading along says mammon, uh, which is the Aramaic coming from mamona, which we call it mammon. It says that the etymology or the word history of it isn't completely certain, probably from maktal, which is that in which one puts trust with money or riches as the derivative meaning. So it really comes down to where are you putting your trust? Are you putting your trust in money and riches? Or are you putting your trust in God? And really, when you're looking at that trust level, it's like, do you trust me to provide? Because if you're trusting money to provide, then you better have it. Because when something hits, then your money is going to provide for you. But if you're trusting God to provide, then your money can flow freely to where it needs to go because no matter what, God will provide. So really coming down to that trust. And really, it, it does talk about that it was mammon being mostly just talking about a word for wealth. And But when it came into the Jewish and Christian use of the word, it had more of a negative connotation to it. And then to even because it gets put against God in this way and saying that you're going to serve one or call one Lord, 
that it almost became personified as a demonic being or as mm-hmm. like a, a an evil deity type of a thing um, within early Christianity that we see that. So yeah, it really takes a life of its own and who are you going to serve? And it masters, uh, and I, I like the way Jesus puts that and even the way you're bringing that all in together, that idea of like, it will master you as much as you're going out for it and thinking, I have my money. No, your money has you. Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to run on the treadmill chasing money or are you going to just live for God? Because that's what chasing after money to me seems like. It's just running on a treadmill. You're going nowhere. You're just just exhausting yourself chasing after nothing. And I, I think Jesus makes it clear. And even uh, Paul writes to Timothy, right? So we, we have that verse, oh, money is the root of all evil, right? No. And we quote that part. I'm going to read the whole section of it. Yeah, because not money is the root of all evil. Yeah, because this is what I like. When you look at, when you take that verse, and to me, one of my big things is people who take verses without context in it and throw it out there as a statement. So I'm going to bite my tongue on naming. (laughs) Yeah. And if you ever hear us as your church friends doing it, seriously, check us on it because I am, I know myself, I can fall into gaps of doing that. I want to be corrected on that. Yes, I I'm not do trying too. to get away with anything. Like, yeah. honestly, if I quote something out of context or do something or there's a better understanding or I'm wrong, tell me because I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to be guiding others into wrongness. Anyways, get into it. Exactly. Your, yeah. But it, verse 6 through 10 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and trap and into many foolishness and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So in that, Paul is telling his young apprentice or whatever you want to call Timothy, his son, which he calls him, contentment. That's where you want to stay. Godly contentment is of great gain because when you have the necessities of what you have, you're good. But when you're not content with where you're at, then that's when you get into the trouble. The temptation of wealth, the temptation of running after things, you fall into that. And then you're just chasing after it. And you've lost your way. I'm not sure if I said it on an earlier episode of the podcast or might have been in one of my recent sermons. But looking at the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Another way of looking at that is, there isn't something wicked in the world that you couldn't pay some, like I'm tripping over my words, that you couldn't pay someone to do. Basically, you could pay somebody to do any kinds of evil, right? Because it's that love of money. There's somebody out there that, hey, I want this thing done. I'll pay you for it. No matter, like, look at anything in the world. Like, There's a, a wrestler in the 80s called the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. And his whole gimmick was he was a millionaire and, and he would, his, his catchphrase was, everyone has a price. Mm-hmm. So he would literally during uh, some of the shows, and I don't know if there were people who were put in the fans for like, you know, fans as a joke or not, but he would come in and say like, do this disgusting thing and I'll pay you money. And people would come in and they would do it. Actually a Christian now, really, really good Christian, met him, put me in a headlock. Really good Christian. Yeah. Many years ago, got a picture of it. Never forgave him for that, but we'll talk about forgiveness (laughs) later. Anyways, but the whole idea of that concept was everyone has a price and in in his stinginess with money there was this one it's this really good clip where he brought up a little kid and i don't think this kid was like in on it to just dribble a basketball 20 times and he said if you could dribble this basketball 20 times i'll give you a hundred dollars so the kid's 
doing it, he gets to 18, 19, and when he's at 19, getting ready to do the 20th one, Ted DiBiase kicks the ball, and the ball goes rolling away, and the kid's face, man, it just is pure sadness. <laughs> like, it's, it's horrible. But for a character on TV that's portraying what the reality is of people, that stinginess, that I, that just... No, I'm going to do whatever it takes to keep my money in my pocket. And now this has consumed me. And you're right. Everyone does have a price because everyone will pay a price for something that they desire. Think about this. Everybody has a price. Scripture says that we have a price, that we were bought for a price, that what we were bought for was the life, the blood of the Son of God, Christ, right? That he bought us, he redeemed us and paid his own life to redeem us. We're not our own. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And that we were bought for that price. And that when we step outside of that relationship with God, we are selling out so cheap. When we fall into selfishness, we fall into temptation, we fall into sin, we fall into disobedience, whatever, we are selling out so cheap. Such a high price was paid for us. And man, some perspective on that. (laughs) Yeah. Because we do have a price and God paid it. And it's a really good point to make that we do sell ourselves so cheap. And I think of Judas. Mm-hmm. 30 pieces of silver. Selling himself for for what he thought, whatever he thought was going to happen. 30 pieces of silver. It wasn't anything big. It wasn't anything great. And he sold out Jesus for that amount. And even Peter, who sold out Jesus just so he didn't look like, I guess that would be for his own personal image. Right? Like and that was just personal stuff. So it's it's crazy. I'm I'm breathing in deep over here. I don't know if the microphone picked that up because just like, man, how cheap have I sold out? Yeah. And that's a frightening question to ask and something to drive to God forgive us. Help me to never do that again. Cause when we look at materialism, like we're focusing on money and things, but I I think you brought it up earlier, the idea of like materialism or, or whatever we desire that we're chasing after we can sell ourselves out for that. So what if it's the idea of maybe my materialistic thing isn't a new TV or a bigger car or a bigger house, but maybe my materialistic thing is uh, is lust. Have I sold myself out for lust and did something that I knew I shouldn't have done because I'm selling myself for that? Physical pleasures. Physical pleasures or, or whether it's drugs or alcohol or stature or prestige, or honor, and you don't care about the finances, you just want people to look at you and think you're a great person, and you're selling yourself out or short for those things. And I think really just this idea of we chase after so much that isn't beneficial in our life. We can run after what we think is best, and we get caught up in the world of what the game that the world says and what it has to offer, that this is living and, and we've, we've looked at it in the Sermon on the Mount so far. Jesus is telling us that's not living. This is living. And next week, we're going to look at, well, when you've chased after materialistic things, then you become a, an anxious, worried person who's always worried about what's next and what's this. But really what God wants us to do or what Jesus wants us to do is to trust him. And you've brought it up a few times, is to trust him that he would take care of us, that he will provide for us as long as we're following him. So I got like these three little uh, little points and I know you've got something after that so I'll let you get to that after this so you could close with that oh, okay uh, but the, the little three things is that if disciples really trust God they will live as if treasures in heaven really matter the second thing is those 
Those whose perception is distorted by materialism are blinded to God's truth. One either loves God or money, and those who think they can love both are idolaters. Yeah, so kind of taking that, recognizing what matters and having that uh, perspective, right? And that kind of gets into the parallel verse for, for what we've been following is in Luke 16, verse 10 through 13. So I'm going to read it because it brings in a lot of what we've talked about. So yeah, it's a good closing point. <laughs> we didn't plan that, but here we go. It says, whoever is faithful with very little will also be faithful with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So I guess that same money is going to magnify who you are. So if you're faithful with a little bit, so it goes, so if you have not been faithful with your worldly wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? Again, getting that perspective. Like, oh, what do you mean true riches? Worldly wealth isn't true riches? Jesus goes on to say, and if you have not been faithful with the belongings of another, who will give you belongings of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So throughout that, the riches and money, that's that word mammon again, right? Coming in, what are you trusting? And really, it's a thing of God is trusting us. And I don't think this is fully in there, but I'm going to pull it out of it as a closing point, is that money is somewhat of a test to us as Christians. Can we be trusted with what's been given to us? Not desiring more, not desiring whatever, not desiring to spend it all on ourselves, but God saying, here, I've given this to you and you're serving me. You're trusting me. Will you be obedient? And it really is a test. I don't think that's the only purpose behind it, but it's definitely a purpose. So it's kind of a cool thing to look at like, oh, that's just the test run. That isn't the true importance of it. There's greater riches beyond this. Like, yeah, I want to know what true riches are. Because mm -hmm. really, I can look at Jeff Bezos and Amazon and look at all that. It's like, that's a lot of really cool stuff. I would really enjoy myself if I had all that <laughs> cash. But there's something that's a true treasure. And that's not what that is. So I'm way more interested in what's these true treasures. Yeah, the idea we get so locked in on what's in front of us that we can't see what's beyond that. And, and I like that idea that money is kind of the test to see what we're really going to do, what we're really made out of, what's really cut inside of us, that if what we're saying is really what's in us. You know, the if we're just coming to church and playing our part so that the world can see that we're that person, or are we really living it? And when it comes to finances, that is a good thing that, you know, that, that does check a lot of people on where their heart is. So I did, I, I really like that. It's a good test. So unless you got anything else, I'll wrap this one up. Wrap it up. All right. So for Murdoch, I am Chris. I did that wrong, huh? <laughs> Let's do it again. I'm Chris. And I'm Murdoch. We're your church friends. Thanks for listening. Well, I wrapped that one up bad. <laughs> you had to rip the paper and start it again. Yeah. I'm not even going to edit it. Get ready to have your mind blown. For energy to fill your body. And for your soul to be excited. As Murdoch reads this little light of mine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.
that was this little light of mine. Yeah!